going to be looking today in Luke chapter 9, verse number 57, and we are continuing our series today, and really for the rest of the year, on big, and we're just talking about doing big things, trusting God to work through us, to work through our church, to do impactful things. Now, I really believe this. I believe every person has a desire to count. Every person has a desire to do big things. I see this every year whenever I go to the Y in January. You know, at the Y, we have desire to do big things. 2018 is starting, and so we're all going to be healthy and do big things. And it looks really good in January. As a matter of fact, when I went to the Y, it was last Sunday afternoon, it was jam-packed. I mean, I saw people I have never seen before. And then, but what happens is there's January, and then we sort of roll into February, and then whenever you're looking into March, I look around, and I start seeing the regular people that I've always seen there. Now, we always have desire for big things, for greater things, but then, but then what happens? Well, life happens. You know, there's just sort of all this stuff that just sort of kind of gets in the way, and it kind of sidetracks us from, from the big things that we want to do. And so if we're going to do big things, sometimes there's just some obstacles that we have in life that we need to, that we need to work through, to work around, to work over in order to see big things happen. Now, every once in a while, I, I will read stories, and I don't know how good they really are, but they just sort of intrigue me and they get my attention. And uh, one of the stories that I read that got my attention that I thought kind of fit in with all of this about doing big things was I read an article about, about Japan. In Japan, they love, they love melons, they watermelon, cantaloupes, honeydews, all those different things. Now, in the United States, whenever we have, have melons, you know, we'll pay, you know, I don't know, a couple of bucks or several dollars for a, for a good melon. Now, but in Japan, they will pay sometimes hundreds of dollars for what they call super melons. Now, they're called super melons because what they do is whenever they, they will put all this they will compost, do all these things in order to grow these melons. And as they begin to bloom, they, they will pick out which bloom they think is the strongest and they'll cut off all the other blooms so that that one bloom will get all of the nutrients that are necessary in order to grow the best melon possible. All right, I don't really know how this fits in, but y'all, I want us to be the best melons possible. And so, so if that's going to happen then there's all this other stuff in life that we've got to cut away so that we make sure that we are getting all of the nutrients, all of the teachings of God so that we will grow into the best people possible so that we can see God do big things in our life, do big things in the life of the church. Now that sounds exciting. You know, I I think about doing big things and seeing God move and I get all jacked up about it. But then it all begins to change a little bit whenever life begins to interfere, whenever I begin to face obstacles. And that's what we're going to see in our scripture today. We're going to see in our scripture that there were some men who desired for God to do big things in their lives. But then obstacles began to come into their way. And so they had a decision, they had a choice to make when they faced the obstacles. Are we going to allow the obstacles to stop us Or are we going to move through those obstacles so that we can see God do exciting and great things? And and one thing I really appreciate about Scripture, about Jesus, is Jesus is very honest with us. And he's like, listen, if, if you really do want to see me work in your life, 
I'm going to be upfront with you. And Jesus says, you will face obstacles. And so that's why we're going to look in Luke chapter 9, verse 57. And before we read that scripture, I want to give you a little bit of the background to the scripture. Because what's going on here is Jesus is actually journeying, making his way to Jerusalem. And he's going to Jerusalem, it's around Passover, and at this time, as he's going there, he knows he is going to be eventually put on a cross, where he's going to die. Jesus has told his disciples this already in verse 44 of of chapter 9. He said, the Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. Uh, Just a few verses earlier from the text we're going to read, verse 51, it says, when the days we're coming to a close for him, for Jesus, to be taken up, to be taken up, he determined to journey to Jerusalem. Now it's interesting, Jesus had told his disciples, I'm getting ready to die. And the disciples, even though they heard Jesus say this, they didn't really let it sink in. It was almost like they didn't really believe what Jesus was saying. And, and in a sense, I don't blame them, because what was happening at this time is Jesus was still healing people. I mean, and that tends to draw crowds. You know, when you heal a person who's blind and they can see, people are blown away by stuff like that. And so crowds were flocking to see Jesus perform miracles. There were still thousands of people that wanted to hear Jesus teach. And then Jesus says, I'm getting ready to be arrested. And and probably the disciples, it had to be going through their mind, this show that's going on right now, it is too good to be canceled right now. I mean, it's just, it's just too popular There is no way this is all about to end. And that's why we see some of the guys in the text we're going to read, they're excited about Jesus. We want to follow you, Jesus. We We want to see you do big things. But Jesus let them know, listen, if you're going to follow me, there are obstacles that you're going to face. Now, what are some obstacles that we can face if we decide we are going to follow Jesus and see big things. I just want to share a few of them with you. The first obstacle that many times can keep us from following Jesus is this. It begins with this. There's a cost. If we follow Jesus, we need to understand there is always a cost that comes with it. We see this in verse 57. It says, as they were traveling on the road, this Jesus and the disciples, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And here's Jesus' response. Foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Okay, so in our text, as Jesus is traveling along, there's a guy that yells out, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. Now, now why would he say that? Well, we know some of the background as Jesus was traveling from Jericho in, uh, in the book of Luke, Luke 18, there was a man named Bartimaeus. Any of y'all have ever heard of the man named Bartimaeus? Any of y'all heard of him? What was the deal with Bartimaeus? Y'all remember? He was blind. He yelled out to Jesus. As Jesus is making his way to Jerusalem, he begins to call out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You know what Jesus did? He walked over to Bartimaeus, and it's like he said, be healed. What happened? All of a sudden, Bartimaeus, blind guy, is able to see. Now, what do you think that did to the crowd? That, um, they got excited. Holy cow, can you believe what we just saw? A blind guy can now see. 
So here's a guy, he knows what Jesus has done. Jesus, after I've seen that, I will follow you anywhere you go. Another miracle happened that might even be bigger than that. Same, in same story, as Jesus is leaving Jericho, he runs into a man named Zacchaeus. Y'all know Zacchaeus? What was he? He was a wee little man, right? He's a wee little man. So he's a small guy. He was a tax collector. Now, tax collectors in this day, y'all, they were the biggest thieves there were. They stole from people. They were, nobody liked them. Zacchaeus comes into contact with Jesus. Jesus comes to eat with him. And you know what Zacchaeus says? Jesus, everything I've stolen from people, I'm going to give it back to them and four times more. You think the tax cuts are a big deal? I mean, think about these people in, in Jericho. If Jesus can do that with a government worker, he's in charge of the world, right? So they see these things, and so this man knows what's been going on, and he says, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. He knew Jesus was going to Jerusalem. It's Passover. There's a lot of people who believe that at this time, when Jesus got to Jerusalem, when thousands of Jews from all over the world showed up to celebrate Passover, that Jesus at this point would declare himself to be king. There are many people who were looking at Jesus as being the Messiah. Now there's no doubt Jesus desires for people to follow him. When Jesus called his disciples... One of the things he said to his disciples, he'd walk up to them and he would say, follow me. He desires for people to follow him. In, in 2 Peter 3, we are told that God does not desire for anyone to perish, but for all people to come to repentance and to follow him. But if you do that, Jesus says, I want you to be aware of something. There's a cost. There's a price for following me. What, what's the cost? It's you. If you follow Jesus, the price you will pay is yourself. You will give up self. You will give up making yourself number one to submit yourself to the leadership of Jesus. That's the cost. Now the question is, are you willing to pay it? Matthew 16, 24 through 27, then Jesus said to his disciples, and this is for you too, says, if anyone wants to come to me, he must deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will find it. What will it benefit a man if he gains the whole world and yet loses his life? Or what will a man give in exchange for his life? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will reward each according to what he has done. Jesus said, if you follow me, you must deny yourself. That word deny, it means to forget yourself. How good are you at doing that? And, you know, I'm not good at that. If I forget myself, it means I am putting others first. I am putting Jesus first. But that's the cost. Are you willing to pay it? Because that's an obstacle. If, you're, if we're going to see God do big things through us, we must pay the price and forget self. Not everybody wants to pay the price. Yeah, I, read a, I read an article about how cereal in the last 15 years has taken a 30% hit. Captain Crunch is on the way down, y'all. Now, now here's the reason why. And this, there are a couple of reasons, but one of the reasons why they said it, it comes down to millennials. 
Okay, so all you millennials, okay, this is, it's your fault, cereal is going by the wayside. And the reason why is because you guys are eating protein bars and you're, you're having smoothies. You all like that stuff. But there was an underlying reason also why cereal is taking a hit with millennials. And this one won't surprise many of you parents. It's because if you eat cereal, you've got to clean up after yourself. That, that was legitimate. That is why. Millennials don't like to do dishes. They said it's easier to eat a bar and throw a wrapper away than it is for me to get a bowl and put it in the dishwasher. That was a price they weren't willing to pay. All right, now in our, in our world today, there are some who are not willing to pay the price of following Jesus because they are not willing to give up self. Jesus says, you follow me, there is a cost. Now, what are some things that keep us from following Jesus? Well, one is the cost, but here's another obstacle that can stand in our way, and that is a commitment. If we follow Jesus, there's a commitment that's involved. Look in verse 59. It says, then he said to another, follow me. Lord, he said, first let me go bury my father. But he told him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and spread the news of the kingdom of God. This has always been a really interesting verse to me because I've always struggled with that. Now, the first guy said, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, okay, if you follow me, I'm going to be honest with you. There's a cost. You have to give up self. Okay, the next guy, Jesus actually approaches him. And he says, you follow me. And then here's the guy's response. Lord, I'd love to follow you, but first let me go and bury my father. Okay, I don't know about y'all, that seems, that seems rather reasonable to me, right? And, and, but what was G- Jesus' response I didn't find this response in my pastoral care classes in seminary. What what did Jesus say to him? He said, let the dead bury their dead. Does that seem strange to y'all? I mean, when I read that scripture, I'm like, this is weird. It's almost like Jesus has like a a callous heart. Hey, my dad's dead. Let me go bury him. Jesus is like, let let the dead take care of themselves. Come follow me. Why, Why would Jesus say something like that? Well, I think this is where it's important for us to understand the custom of Jesus' day. Here's the deal. Whenever he said, let me, let me go bury my father, what's interesting, his dad wasn't dead yet. And, and it's not really that his dad was, you know, was, was sick. It, more than likely, it's his father was just older, and he was say, saying to Jesus, Jesus, my dad's older, let me stay with my father, and then after he passes on, then I will come follow you. He, he was making an excuse. What, what's interesting is in the verse before when Jesus had, when the man said, I will follow you, Jesus gave an interesting answer to the man. He said, the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. And, and he was telling the man, basically, if you follow me, let me tell you something. I am, it, it's, I am a guy that is out there. I don't have my own home. I am traveling. I am on my own. I am totally reliant upon God to take care of me. Now, it could be that this man is thinking, well, when my dad dies then I will receive an inheritance. And then, you know, it sounded like that you really didn't have a permanent place to stay. But if I get, if I get my dad's inheritance, then it'll be a whole lot easier, easier for me to follow you. I can get my, my, all my ducks in a row, first of all. But what that was showing, it was, it was showing the man had a, didn't have a total trust and confidence in God for providing for him. Jesus, remember, Jesus is the one who approached him, and Jesus said, you follow me. Now, guys, let me tell you something. If Jesus calls you to follow him, did you know that he will enable you to do just that? 
Jesus is never going to call us to serve him and to follow him and not enable us with his power to be able to do it. Our job is to respond and to trust him when he says follow me, that we just simply follow him. Because it shows that we have faith in him. Now I've seen a lot of people who say, Jesus, I will follow you, but I can't right now. Because right now, I have, I have some priorities in my life, in my job, that I need to achieve first. And then when I do that, then I'll be more financially able and set to be able to follow you then. To another one that I've heard. Jesus, I, I would love to follow you and be more committed to serving you. But right now, my family and my children are at an age where I need some family time with them. But then when they're grown and they begin to move on, Lord, then I will have more time for you. Let me tell you, when we do stuff like that, you know what we're teaching our kids? Is that the things of this world are more important and have more value than God. If God, when God calls us to follow him, we are to trust him and to believe that he will empower us to do what he's called us to do. That's why when the man said, let me go bury my dad, what did Jesus say? He said, go and spread the news of the kingdom of God. In other words, don't wait, do it now. Trust me, follow me, serve me. Now, now here's the deal. Do you trust Jesus enough now to where when he says follow me that you will follow him now, that you'll commit to doing that? You know, too many times we're, we're, we're saying, Lord, I will follow you, but first of all, I've, I've got to find a smooth road first before I do it. There was a missionary society that wrote a letter to the famous missionary in Africa named David Livingston. Some of you may have heard of him before. He's in the 1800s. And they wrote a letter to him, and it was interesting. They said, uh, Dear Mr. Livingston, have you found a good road to where you are? If so, we want to know how to send other men to join you in your missionary service. Livingston wrote this back. He said, If you have men who will come only if they know there's a good road, I don't want them. I want men who will come if there is no road at all. Guys, that's commitment. Now, if we follow Jesus and we say, Lord, we want to see you do big things, there are going to be some obstacles in our way. There will be a cost. It will require a commitment. But then here's the last obstacle that can keep us from following Jesus. It's this. There's a challenge. If you follow Jesus, it's always a challenge. Let me read to you our final two verses, verse 61. It says, Another also said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go and say goodbye to those at my house. But Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. One, one more guy says, Jesus, I will follow you. But he, he gave a precondition. He said, But before I follow you, let me go home and tell everybody goodbye. Okay. Again, I look at that and I was like, that, that's reasonable. The, the, the translation of that text is literally, let me put my household affairs in order. Now that seems like a responsible person to me. And, and yet Jesus gives an interesting response. He gives an analogy that everybody in this day would have understand. Here's what Jesus said. He said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now when I read that, you know, I'm not a farmer. I'm, I don't know what that means. You know, what does Jesus mean by that? Well, here's what it means. When you are plowing a field, you can't look back. Because if you're plowing and you look back, you're going to end up plowing a crooked row. 
It's, it's, not, it's going to be damaging to the crop that you're trying to plant. What Jesus is saying, listen, if you follow me, he says, you look to me. You don't look to the things behind you. I was like, now how does that play out for us? I thought, you know, so many times in my own life, I'll say, Jesus, I want to follow you, but there's some stuff in my past that I still like to do, and I'm going to hang on to it. And Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to give you Sunday, but Monday through Saturday, I'm going to do what I want to do. You know what Jesus says to that? He says, that kind of life, that kind of a commitment, you are not fit for the kingdom of God. That word fit that is used in our scriptures, the same word that was used in Luke 14, 35, when Jesus talks about the effectiveness of salt. He says, whenever salt loses its flavor, what's it good for? You know, if you have salt on your table and you put it on your food, but it doesn't change the flavor, I mean, what, are you going to use it anymore? No, I mean, what's it good for? Jesus said it's only good to be thrown out. Okay, whenever we have that kind of a commitment to the Lord, where we say, Jesus, I will follow you, but I'm still going to hang on to some of my sin, Jesus said, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. I mean, you're not worth anything except for being thrown out. All right, so, so there's a challenge that's being given to the man here whenever Jesus talked to him. Jesus is saying, you let go of the past, you let go of your sins, and you look forward to me, and you embrace me. Paul summed it up well when he wrote in Philippians three ten through 14. He said, my goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. Not that I've already reached the goal or am already fully mature, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I've also been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. He said, I forget what is behind and I reach forward to what is ahead. I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Y'all, it is hard to reach the finish line as a runner if you are always looking behind you. You think you're going to run a race well if you're always looking behind you? I'm going to slam into a wall. I can't do it. Yeah, there was, a, uh, there was a man named Roger Bannister back in 1954. He became the first man ever to, to run a sub-four-minute mile. Within two weeks, there was another man named John, uh, John Landy. He ended up breaking Bannister's record by 1.2 seconds. In August of that year, of 1954, they were going to run against each other. It was being hyped as probably the greatest race in the history of man. So these two men were going to run the mile. As they were running, Landy, as he came into the last turn, was winning. But he said, as he came into that last turn, he said over and over in his mind, he kept wondering. He said, I was wondering, where is Bannister? And finally, in that last turn, he looked over his shoulder behind him. It broke his stride, and Bannister went running right by him. After the race was over, Landy had this to say. He said, if I would have never looked behind me, I would have won the race. Church, let me tell you something. We will win the race if we don't spend our time hanging on to the past. If we don't spend our time hanging on to stuff we know that Jesus has called us to let go of, which is our sin, and to keep our eyes on the finish line, on Jesus Christ. Again, as Philippians 3.12 and 13 says, I press on forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead.
saying, well, how do I do stuff like that? You know, how can I look forward and not spend my time looking back? Well, we'll make sure that as you are living your life, live in such a way that you know that in your actions, what you say, what you do, are pointing people to Jesus. Practically speaking, when you read Scripture, this is a real tough one, when you read Scripture and you see the commands of God in Scripture, do it. Live it. Do what the Bible says. Don't look at God's commands and think, man, if I, if I follow that, then I'm going to miss out on a whole lot of fun stuff and what everybody else is doing. Look at Scripture and trust that as God has a calling on your life to serve Him, as God calls you to be faithful and true to your spouse, as God calls you to give to his ministry, as he calls you to share with your friends how Jesus has changed your life, as he calls you to live different than the rest of culture, trust that his ways and his calling will lead you to victory. He will get you to the finish line. We're told in Matthew 24, 13 by Jesus, but the one who endures to the end will be delivered. In other versions, it says he will be saved. Now, there are a lot of obstacles in life. If you decide you're going to follow Jesus, if we decide we're going to see God do big things at Village Church, we're going to see God do big things in our personal lives, we have to understand this. There's a cost that comes with following Jesus. There is a commitment that comes with following Jesus, and there is a great challenge that comes with following Jesus. Now, this year, our focus is big. And we are believing, we are trusting, we are hoping that God will do big things in our lives, that he will do big things through the ministry of this church. Now, it's, all, it's great for us to get excited about that, but we have to understand there's a cost. It requires commitment, and it is challenging. Now, now here's, here's one of the things I just very easily see. I look at us, and we're in this building, and whenever I go home, I get in my car, and I turn left. And when I look to my left, you know what I see? I see a whole lot of trees that have been cut down. And I see a whole bunch of houses that are starting to be built. Now, I know we can have different opinions. I'm a resident. I'm thinking traffic. Think in school, it's already a lot of people, but if I'm thinking kingdom-minded, there are going to be 400, around 400 new homes next to us, and there are going to be lives living in those homes, and I believe God has put us here for a reason, to see big things happen. Can you imagine what it will be like in years from now when there will be people who will say, my life was transformed by the power of Jesus because there were people who believed God for big things. And they served me, they ministered to me, they told me about Jesus. Big. We have the chance to see big things happen with our neighbors. We have some big Sundays coming up where we are going to challenge you, where we are challenging ourselves for God to move and do big things. You know, we have, we have Easter Sunday. We have the Big Serve Sunday coming up. I am praying that God will work and minister through us so that our community will see that we are a people that, that we don't just talk, but we do. 
And when people see us doing and serving and praying and caring and being nice and standing for truth, God works through that and God does immeasurably more than we can even dream or ask for. Now, I believe that. And I'm trusting God for big things. I believe God wants to move in big ways. He just simply needs people who are going to trust him. And y'all, in this community, that needs to be us. Let's see what God will do this year. Now, if we do that, there's a cost. It requires commitment, and there will be a challenge. But man, how fun will it be when we can look back and say, isn't that neat what God did? Heavenly Father, I thank you for I thank you for your word. I thank you for the challenge that you give us. Lord, I pray that those obstacles that pop up in our way that sometimes can keep us from seeing a, a work of God move, Lord, I pray that we will see those obstacles and those challenges, but God, that we will have confidence and trust and faith that when you call us to follow you and you call us to serve you, Lord, you will enable us to do just that. Father, I pray that as we serve, Lord, I pray that there will be that there will be a fullness in us, Lord, knowing that we are doing what you've called us to do. But God, I pray that you will affirm us that as we serve and Lord, we reach out and we touch and we serve in the name of Jesus. God, may you give us affirmation as we see people's lives transformed, as we see new people who will begin to follow Jesus. God, I pray that that will bring an excitement like we've never known before, knowing that we hold an eternal message that brings life and Thank you, Jesus, for giving us the message. And I pray these things in Christ's name.